since we have been, uh, since Neighbors has been planted here, we have gone through uh, the entire book of Genesis, and we have, uh, we are now in the book of Exodus, uh, and we've, we've taken breaks from it off and on and all that stuff. We've talked about Joseph, and, but to catch us up with, with Moses is last week we saw that Moses was a, uh, was a baby, and the, uh, the Pharaoh was threatened by the, uh, the Hebrew folks. They were growing in numbers. They were surviving. They were, uh, uh, you know, expanding. Uh, and to him, that was a threat. It was foreigners on a foreign land, and he was threatened by it. No other reason is given. They weren't a, a violent people. They weren't people that, uh, you know, were a, uh, trying to overtake the government. They were people. But he was threatened by that, and he wanted to control them. One of the ways he controlled them is he made them uh, into slaves, and he made them do a lot of harsh, harsh physical labor. Uh, and he liked the idea of being able to control that population. As long as they were doing the work for him, he was fine with it. But if they were taught to talk about anything regarding freedom or rights or dignity or respect, that's where he drew the line. And so he would order that in order to control the ongoing population of the Hebrew people, any, any male that was born was to be killed. And what we see here is that Moses' mother gives birth and then she hides him and Pharaoh's daughter actually has compassion, knows that it's a Hebrew that she finds, but has compassion and takes Moses as her own. Now, in the ideal world, she would have, you know, uh, probably led an uprising and, and made sure that all of the, the male children were, but this is, this is her bubble, this is the world that she was in, this is where uh, the things that she could do within her power was to take Moses as her own. And so Moses is raised by the Egyptians knowing full well that he is Hebrew. He knows that he's an outcast throughout his entire life. Now, the Bible does not state very much about what Moses' childhood was like. Uh, we can guess that he was given a formal education. Uh, we can guess that he was uh, taught to read and write, um, as uh, many Egyptians of that time would be in that society. But we can also guess that he knew that he was an outsider, that he knew that he was not uh, a part of this society. And looking out, he probably knew that he wasn't part of his people either. He was somewhere in between. Uh, he, was, he had been ripped out of his own culture and his own uh, repressed people. And now he's in this land of luxury, but he's not enjoying the luxury. We see different uh, uh, stories where uh, Moses becomes like a, a prince and things like that. I'm not sure if that's really true because of the prejudiceness that the Egyptians had so much against the Hebrew people. It's, it's, it's fair to say that they would tolerate him at best because of the bravery of the Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses now is an adult, and we want to guess that he is, uh, you know, uh, there, there is scripture that, that says that he's actually in his 40s at this time. He's, he's an adult. And what he does is he sneaks out um, and walks along the people, and he starts to notice things that are going on. He starts to be very much aware about the treatment of his, uh, his, 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 his people, the Hebrew people. He starts to see the atrocities. He starts to see how badly they're treated. And when we go to... Uh, Exodus 2, 11 uh, through 12, 
It said, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating. Now the word there, the, the original word there that they're using for beating is called nakah. And that means to strike, smite, hit, beat, slay, or kill. It's not a pleasant thing. If somebody said, you know, wants to invite you over to a nakah party, uh, don't go because that's what's going to happen. It's going to be very painful. Um, but this is, um, I'm bringing this up for a reason because you're going to see this exact term used throughout this text. So in this, in this, uh, in this particular text, it means forcibly. It means um, uh, brutally killing. Uh, brutally beating, that kind of thing. So I want us to just keep that in mind. Uh, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinfolk. He looked this way and he looked that, and seeing no one, he killed. Now there's that word again, Nakah, the Egyptian, and hit him in the sand. We can look at this in so many different ways. Now, this is the part where we just get a little brief encounter. We don't get a follow-up story on this. We get the headline of what happened here. Now, a lot of people will say that what he did when he looked this way and that way, he was looking for witnesses, he was angry, and he killed and, and murdered this person and then buried him in the sand. There's another form of that where a lot of the people that study the ancient text say that when he looked this way and that way, what he was truly looking for was, is anybody going to help this person? This person is getting beaten to death. Is anybody going to do anything about this? And when he saw that nobody was going to do anything, he came to the, to the rescue of this person and in the process killed the Egyptian. I'm not going to tell you which side uh, is true and which side is false because honestly we don't know. That's part of the mystery. You can take it for what it is. But the, the thing that we have to remember here is that uh, Moses, this great man, this person that is a biblical hero, now has blood on his own hands. He has caused some, some issues here. He has fought violence with violence. Uh, and we just need to, to know that when we go into these stories, there are going to be these uncomfortable passages here that a lot of times we just like to skip over and just jump to Easter. Uh, there are some uncomfortable passages here where people in the Bible have done some things that have uh, been acts of, of fatal violence, and this is one of them. Uh, he, he buries the Egyptian. He hides the body in the sand. And then it says, uh, when he went out the, ne the very next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one in the wrong, why do you strike? There's that word again, nakah. In other words, why are you brutally beating? Why are you brutally beating, life-threatening your fellow Hebrew? And the Hebrew answered him and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed nakah, the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. And when the Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. Now that gives us an idea of just how well Moses was thought of in, this, in, in the land of the Egyptians. Because at this time, for a master or somebody to kill a slave, it was not considered a crime. 
you could kill a slave. The only thing that you had to do is that if that slave did not belong to you, you had to reimburse the person that owned it. Owned it. So this is the world that they're living in. If he were a true Egyptian, he could have killed that person. Uh, he could have killed the, uh, the, 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 the Hebrew. He could have killed, witnessed the Hebrew killing. Nothing would have happened. And if he were an Egyptian to kill another Egyptian, being that he was in the royal house, he could have gotten away from that as well too. But he didn't have that special treatment. He wasn't even thought of as someone that would deserve a trial or a hearsay or, or have his own say. He was basically sentenced to death at the thought that he killed because what the Egyptian was hearing was that a Hebrew had killed an Egyptian, a lower class person even though Moses was in the house, had killed. And so Moses, will find, has to escape people from this. Now, the reason I want to talk about this particular passage here is because I want us to think about what just happened. There are people in Moses' life right now and he is being, he's able to kind of look uh, at this time outside the box. Uh, every once in a while, we're given the opportunity where we can kind of step outside of, of our lives and take a look at what's going on. Uh, it, sometimes we don't do that very often. Sometimes we get so caught up into the day-to-day -day that we don't pause and take a step back and actually take an objective look at what's going on in our world and what's going on in our lives, and looking at our own behavior. Moses is given this opportunity where he's be able to look out, and he's able to see the oppression of his people. His people. He's able to see that his, uh, his kinfolk, his family, is being treated so brutally and so harshly. He's also able to look at the, the way that uh, the family that has taken him in, how they are treating this family. Now, I want us to think about just a little bit of how would you feel in that time? How would you feel if you were part of a people that were being brutally oppressed? If you were part of that, if by the very nature of the place that you were born or the blood that you have in you or the color of your skin or the nationality that you are, if you were part of that group of people that was being brutally oppressed, how would you feel? I imagine that many of us might feel the same way that Moses did. We might feel really angry. We might feel so angry that when you see something happening where somebody is in that life-threatening situation, you might be turned to fight violence with violence. Now, I'm not a violent person. Uh, I, I'm, I've been called a pacifist. I've been called a wuss, whichever case it may be. I'm not a violent person. Uh, but I, I also don't know what it's like to have such oppression in my life. I don't know what it's like to be judged merely for being who I am. And I don't know what it's like to see people, uh, I have not witnessed this, to see, uh, to personally see somebody uh, being beaten 
just for who they are. I've heard stories, and I, when I hear stories like that, I will tell you this, it makes me very angry. Uh, one of the things that makes me uh, angrier than, than anything in, in, the, in this world is to, when someone is treated uh, with disrespect. And that includes uh, both the, the, the acts of violence, it also includes just the name calling and people making fun of other people or people talking badly about other people. I find that's uh, the, thing, the one thing that keeps us away from our Christian faith is when we look at our neighbor with, with, uh, with anger in our eyes, with violence in our voice. When, when we do that, uh, we step away from who we are as Christians. And so if you were Moses and you saw this happening, if you saw somebody being beaten, I cannot honestly say what my reaction would be. I cannot honestly say, being a nonviolent person, I cannot honestly say that I would not be thrown into violence. But what's happened here is when we oppress people, one thing that, that many studies have shown is when we oppress a group of people, when people in the past in, in, in different countries and, and different uh, environments have been oppressed, have been bullied, have been mistreated, what the odd thing happens there is, is that oftentimes the people, the very people that are being oppressed, they become violent as well. And I'm not sure if it is that odd. Because if you are surrounded by violence, if you are treated so poorly, if you are frustrated daily and have no way to relieve that frustration, I'm not sure if the Hebrews fighting the Hebrews is an isolated incident. The thing that we have to look at as Christians in our lives are who, who in our world right now, who in our world right now are victims of oppression, are victims of bullying, are, are victims of hatred, are victims of prejudice, victims of bigotry, uh, victims of just being who they are and somehow being punished for that. Have we learned anything from the time of Moses to today of the uh, effects that that puts on somebody? When we inflict hatred, violence, and bullying, are we in fact growing hatred, violence, and bullying? We like to say that uh, we have many people in our, in, our, in our world today that say that uh, they're trying to, uh, they're, they're not prejudiced. They're, they're, not, they're not prejudiced. They're not hateful people. They're just trying to protect, protect this and that. They're trying to protect um, uh, uh, our, our, our country. They're trying to protect our land. They're trying to protect our neighborhood. And then it breaks down to other things like I'm trying to protect my value system. I'm trying to protect this. I'm trying to protect that. And we start to take it very personally where the people that are actually doing the oppression, they are the ones that start to claim that they are the ones that are actually in true life being oppressed. We live in this delusion where instead of uh, taking a step outside and looking objectively at our surroundings, we instead want to jump to victim. How do we change that as Christians? If we are truly Christians, and this is that challenging part, our job is not to oppress anybody. 
Our job is not to protect uh, people uh, ourselves or, or in the delusion of protecting ourselves from people that are being their true self uh, and, and by judging people uh, blanketly through a, a stereotype, through a uh, color of skin, through a judgment of prejudice, uh, through things that are completely made up. That's not our call. That's not our call as Christians. We are not called to do that. Our job as Christians are door openers. That is exactly what our job is because Jesus teaches us throughout the New Testament to open those doors to the kingdom of heaven, to open those doors to his kingdom on earth. Our job is to, door, to leave the doors open. The Pharaoh was somebody that saw a population growing and his idea was to kill it or use it as slaves. Moses saw violence and wanted to act and correct it by an act of violence. And what we continue to find is that when we do something, when we try to fight something the way that it's being put at us, we don't get good results. In other words, if we try to fight violence with violence, if we try to fight oppression with oppression, if we try to fight prejudiceness with prejudiceness, we do not get results. All we do is continue to stir the ingredients of hatred in our lives. It's not until we step outside of that box and we start to take a close look at what's going on and own our own behavior and ask ourselves, is the person that we are prejudiced against, is it, is it justified? Or is it out of fear? Is it out of not knowing the person? Is it out of jumping into a hateful group? You ever notice that it's so much easier to jump into somebody a negative conversation and be a part of that than it is to turn it positive? You, you get it, you, you know, back when we were meeting and, and people were uh, uh, going to work together and stuff, you would uh, see people and they would start talking about how, how uh, terrible the weather is or how uh, crappy their, their, their week was or just how, how bad things are. And it's easier for peers to jump in and just agree with that and say, yeah, it really is bad and things are really bad. And by the time that you're done with that conversation, you feel pretty ugly. It's harder to jump into those conversations and say, yeah, but look at the blessings. Look at the positive. Or are you looking at this closely? Are you being negative or are you looking at truth? Sometimes I think we take things uh, so, so harshly and so negatively that we have jumped on any bandwagon that people invite us to jump on. We, we have people that have been trying to uh, become uh, more free in their lives. And somehow we, like the pharaohs, see that as a threat. And we want to oppress them. We have people that, uh, because of the color of their skin, their nationality, their lifestyle, we want to view as a threat. We want to take that personally, and we want to oppress them. Imagine if our world was a one where everybody acted truly as a Christian and invited people into their lives and learned about people 
and learned about those cultures. And instead of trying to fight violence with violence or oppression with oppression, tried to think of a different way, tried to walk into that negative conversation and tried to give some positive or some truth to it. Imagine if we stood up more for our neighbors. Where would we be? I think that the, the Pharaoh's daughter was a definite hero by taking Moses in. I wish that she would have done more in the education department of trying to, com- trying to bring the two cultures together. It's hard for us not to see something as a personal attack. As, as a society, we have become more and more self-centered and more and more self-focused in our lives. I, I will say this. Um, Wearing a mask, being required to wear a mask, that's not oppression. Uh, that's not oppression. If you're being asked just to wear a mask, uh, you, you don't get to jump into the head of the line. Uh, I, I saw something on the news the other day where somebody was talking about that w- being told to wear a mask is the exact, now she knows exactly how it felt when Nazis had to put a star on their uh, jacket during World War II. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. We don't have to take things so personally in our lives. We don't have to view our neighbor with a, with a defense anymore. We don't have to see what happens to us as a defense. You know, the other day I almost got killed. Um, when I was driving down Highway 34 right over here, and... Um, this is something you shouldn't do uh, to take a picture while you're driving. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but this is, uh, I was driving down Highway 34, and right beside me was a semi-truck, uh, and it was just ahead of me. So my car was here, and the semi was right here. And directly beside me was a car that was in a hurry. And they didn't like the fact that uh, they couldn't pass the semi. They obviously didn't see me uh, because I was doing, we were doing 65, I think, on this. And the car uh, immediately started to uh, try to pass the semi and thus uh, went right into my lane. Uh, Now, I saw this, and so before I knew it, I was in the, the grassy ditch there trying to recover and come back into the, the road. And I will admit, the first thing that I said was not something I could repeat here. Um, it was something that uh, uh, was forceful, and as a pacifist, it was something that verbally could have even been said was violent. Um, And then I thought for a moment, as I finally recovered, the person did see me by the time I was in the ditch uh, and came back. And, you know, the first thing that you want to do is you want, you want, you're driving, you know, and you want to, you want to drive by them and just give them that look, you know, and make them feel worse. Uh, This is somebody that did something to me. So my first reaction was to want to do something bad to them by making them feel bad. I've made driving mistakes before. I I hope that I'm not the only one here. 
I've made some stupid mistakes before. Uh, I've, uh, uh, I think we all have. And so I was able to take this moment as the, the, the driver of the car uh, was finally able to pass that semi and just keep going. I was able to think about the situation there, and I thought, you think of so many different things there. You think, should I drive beside them and make sure that they get the look? Should I chase them down? Should I uh, uh, take a picture of their license plate? Should I do this? Should I do this? But then I thought, am I taking this a little too personally? Was I just in the path of somebody that made a dumb mistake? Was I in the path of somebody that was having a really bad day or heard something tragic or didn't just see me there? Does this person uh, have the right to be a person without me reminding them of the mistakes that they made? Could it be that, we could, that I could have uh, driven away from this without feeling like something had happened to me, so something has to happen to them. Could I have just forgive and forget? I did, and it felt pretty good. I, w I went home and I bragged about it. You know, I told my wife, you know, I wanted two points. First, you tell them, you know, that uh, I almost got killed, you know, and then you, then you rest on that a little bit. You know, oh my, what happened, you know? Uh, and then you, uh, it's, it's so great when you do the right thing. You can, you can, you can tell that story, you know? Um, I wasn't even going to preach on Moses. I just put this in so I could tell this story uh, because I came back and I did the right thing, you know? I, I didn't chase the person down. I didn't even give them the stare down. I just forgave and forgot. When we have things in our lives like uh, pandemics and borders and people that uh, we disagree with and people that uh, live their lives differently than we do or people that have cultures that we don't quite uh, understand, can we, instead of fighting, instead of putting up defense, instead of trying to give everybody in our lives a look, can we just learn to share the road with them? Can we learn to share the road with them? with our neighbors? Can we learn to fight uh, oppression with um, things like education? Can we learn to fight prejudices and bigotry uh, with conversation and understanding? Can we set the example? You are in your car. Every one of us is in our car. It's not a world crisis. It's not a world uh, epidemic that we're, we're not, we're, we're, we're just doing one car at a time. Can we, instead of giving the look to people that are different than us or the people that we see as different than us, can we just share the road? Can we find a different way? Can we fight violence with something other than violence? And can we fight hatred with something other than hatred? It's about leaving the doors open. And it's about sharing the road. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, whatever we're out there, whatever we see, help us to take a step back, look at situations.
Let us see our part. Let us feel challenged by how we react. Let us feel challenged by knowing that you love everybody. Let us step outside of ourselves. Let us step outside of our, our, our own selfishness, our own self-centeredness, and see our neighbor as someone that is here to share the road with us, here to share the world with us, and yes, here to share your love with. Help us see that, and then help us act on that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We, we live in a, in, in, a, in a day and age right now where people are becoming more and more polarized, and everyone wants to shout the loudest, and everyone wants to win the argument. We live in a, in a time where nobility is often defined by yelling and hatred and even acts of violence. We saw three acts of violence in the story of Moses today, and neither one of, none of them, not one of them, solved anything. Not one of them solved the problem. How do we react to the hatred in our world? How do we react to the people we share the road with. My challenge is that we act like Christ would. It's a challenge for us to love God, love ourselves, and love our neighbor. Amen.